And good morning, and welcome to to Overeat is Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March the 21st, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 4, We Agnostics. We're on page 45, and we're going to begin reading for context on the second paragraph. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Nancy J., The Twelve Traditions, Liz S. Our readers today are Santa H., Mary K. W., and Du L. Now, the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, our special edition at 8.30 a.m., which was March 20th, 2016, is 8552. That's 8552. That was a focused presentation given by John Kay, uh, Path to Recovery or Path to Relapse, focusing on Steps 6 and 7. Our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy J. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Nancy J. from Philadelphia. Here are the 12 steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power, that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our lives, to to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God Remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 
Step 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to, uh, to, to alcoholics and to practice these steps in all of our affairs. And uh, thank you, Nancy J. I will now ask Liz S. to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Hi, this is Liz S. in New Hampshire. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our, loving, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups. Excuse me. Or for, it's my glasses, I'm sorry. Or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group but never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or enterprise lest problems of money, property, and press divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every group, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you, Liz Liz S. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, 
please let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we're resuming our study on page, um, in the big book, on page 45. We're going to read that second paragraph for context and um, comment on that third paragraph. I will now ask Santa H. to please begin reading. Good morning, family. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater just for today, calling in from New Jersey. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubts and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves is somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon the world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamities with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. How can a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who, can, who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet, in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlight night, who then made all this? There was a splitting awe and wonder. But, was, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Okay. Um, what I get out of this reading is, going back to the first page, is I so identify in um, to this paragraph here, where he says, perhaps we rejected a particular conception because it seemed inadequate. And it was my belief. I, I felt that religion spoke all the words and sounded very nice but their behaviors didn't seem to match what they were talking about. And so on the next page, I went into the big book um, dictionary and I looked up these words that was really, um, uh, really helped me to change my perception. The word warring, which means an active conflict, and then inexplicable, which means cannot be explained or made sense of. And then, of course, it led to the excance, which was my doubt and dis approval. So I learned in step one that I had to acknowledge that I'm not in control and that my individual power was limited. 
And I love where the person asked the question here, how could a supreme being have anything to do with this all? But then, in the same breath, who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? And that's what I had to come to agree, I had to come to see. And once I saw that my own thinking was limited, and once I saw I couldn't handle my problems myself, a whole new set of problems opened up. And I was able to look at an, at an avenue that was beyond my finite thinking. And so that took me to the solution, which is step two. And in step two, we come to surrender. And surrender means something beyond my control. Surrender means put into a position so that I can have a different alternative. And so it comes down to the cornerstone of the belief. And the belief, I believe, is an awesome force. Everyone has it, but what matters is how I apply it. So, for example, if I see a person who today believe in God, but yet their life is a mess, my thinking today is that a lot of people believe in God, but it's not, but it's not the belief in God. It's not, it's not the belief in God. It's the belief that their God, that they're believing in, is not effective. And so I had to find a power greater in myself that was effective. And also the belief that I had come to believe is that the truth that I see it was only a portion of the truth, and that only God sees the whole truth. So my interpretation of the truth, which many times was lies, my destructive ego was led to the insanity. So what the power is of believing today is plugging in to believe that I can find that truth. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Santa H. Okay, at this time, who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on what was read, focusing on page 45, that third paragraph, we know how he feels. Sally? Sally. Judith R. I think I heard Judith. Was it Judith R.? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Kathy K. Kathy K. Melissa C. Melissa C. Next. Larry. Larry. Okay. Thank you. Taking time. Larry K. All right. We begin with Sally. Please, you're up. Thanks, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. And this paragraph it actually makes me cry. And I um, was wondering, wow, this line is you know, evoking so much emotion. But when we take a look at the very ending of the last paragraph, which was just read for context, but I, I say it for context for this paragraph, but his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God, for we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. So turning the page to the top of page 46 where it says, we thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, an inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. So what I realized is that this paragraph, it brings to my mind my own warring struggle within me. What? I have to turn to God? When I look upon this world of warring individuals and warring theological systems and inexplicable calamity, when I think about my life, about my mom dying of cancer at the age of 58 when I was only 25 and I needed a mother, I really needed a mother. I had three little tiny children 
When I think of my brother John, a pastor, dying with hemophilia, when I think of my little sister dying in a fire at the age of five years old, when I think of my parents' divorce, when I think of my own divorce, all of the calamity that I've seen in my life, and I'm just starting, I'm not even finishing the list. And then we look askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. And my goodness, that really is a turnoff when I think about the people that surround me that are pretty hypocritical, that call themselves Christians and call themselves godly people, but I don't even like them. How could a supreme being have, have anything to do with it at all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? So here it is, that warring within myself. Well, gee whiz, I do think that there's a God. I really believe there's a God. There's a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. And there I am, blocked, blocked by all my own self-pride, my prejudice. My pride that says, are you kidding? I have to turn to God? I have to turn to, to you, God, who I've been spent so much of my life mad at and disappointed at, and I haven't really been thrilled at the way you play God? And most of my life, I took away the reins from you as if I was riding the horse, and I decided, forget it. I'll do it myself. And now you're telling me, now that I know that I can't do it myself, I have no choice but to turn to you? Well, gee whiz, this is the picture of blocked. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. This is Judith R. in Vermont. Oh, we covered. Okay. okay. Uh, thank you, Sally. Thank you. I didn't know she passed. Okay, Judith R., please go ahead. Thank you, Janice. This is Judith R., gratefully recovered in Vermont just for today. Um, this is an amazing sentence when it says, well, these two, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress us during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. And I would add to that, part of the inadequacy is abusiveness. And some of us were raised in a religion or by parents or by people around them who had a very skewed idea of religion. And there's actually a concept of religious addiction and spiritual abuse. So one of the best ways to hide from a higher power is in church, synagogue, mosque. And we get influenced by people who have a religious addiction. So they're, they're going to give us a very skewed idea about what a higher power might be. And therefore, when we had people who were religiously addicted, we were possibly spiritually abused. And that takes a lot of healing. And um, I actually have a book called Healing Spiritual Abuse and Religious Addiction. And it's been very helpful. With that, I pass. Thanks. Well, thank you, Judith. Uh, Kathy Shall can I share? Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. You can wait. Yes, you can share pretty soon. Okay, dear. We have a we have three before you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Kathy K. Please go ahead. Thank you, Janice, for your service. Um, this is Kathy K. Recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And you know, my journey fits this last paragraph to the T. Um, and I have to say that. Um, um, it's been a long journey. I, I grew up in an agnostic household. 
when I finally got to OA, I spent my first 10 years in program just ignoring the spiritual aspects of our program and, of course, had on and off abstinence as a consequence for all of those years. And when I finally cracked open this book and started reading it with a recovered sponsor um, and saw these paragraphs, I kind of had a sigh of relief. I identified in and for the first time began to have hope that this step process would work for me as well. But it really has been, the last 10 years, it's been a slow movement towards having more willingness to believe in a power greater than myself. It's been having to act as if in order to perhaps experience what can happen when I surrender to a higher power, which I absolutely don't understand. And so today, I have much greater willingness. I still can't tell you what my higher power is, but I know when I um, sit quietly with my higher power and I read spiritual literature and I reflect on it and I write about it, Um, my day goes better, and if I look, I can see evidence of my higher power working in my life. Um, I I hope and believe that this connection will grow for me as I continue to to implement these steps every day. Um, But for me, it's been a long process, and I just want to share that for anyone who who finds it difficult to imagine such a connection. Um, It is possible if we follow the directions in this book. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. Okay, Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, this, gosh, this part just really speaks to me because, um, I had such a block when it came to the higher power concept and uh, and God. You know, I really just um, wanted to skip that whole God part. Um, you know, my my personal experience was, um, you know, and I was listening to Sally because I could really relate. I suffered tremendous loss, and um, and for me that was evidence of um, God's either non-existence or uncaring, you know. Um, my husband and I lost lost a newborn child, and the most religious people in my life um, really didn't show up for me. And so I kind of used that as my definition. God is ineffective. God doesn't love me. Is there even a God? Um, who cares? And yet, um, you know, I was suffering. And so whatever my concept of God was, it was ineffective. And when I really started listening um, and I heard that that finding a concept of a higher power that I could rely on completely was the only, the only solution. It was either this or death. Um, I had to recognize that um, 
yeah, bad things happen. It, it, that is part of life. That is the rhythm of the universe. Nobody gets out um, without their own share of loss and, and pain. And, um, and that I was going to have to somehow um, find a concept of God that was going to be able to comfort me through the pain, not avoid the pain. You know, I realized that my conception of God was immature. It was like a genie. And then if you said the right prayers and you rubbed it the right way, you would get what you wanted. And, yeah, that was ineffective, you know. And so what I needed was to get unblocked. I needed to let go of my resentment. You know, I needed to let go of my anger, my hurt, so that I could get comforted. And, you know, the truth was is that despite all the pain and all the loss that we suffered, um, there were people in my life that showed up. I was still breathing. I was still clinging to hope. I still wanted to live and survive and be there for my remaining children um, and for myself. You know, and for me, that became my higher power, the spark, the desire to live, the desire to be comforted, um, to go on, was the first step for me um, for finding a higher power. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Just a gentle reminder to please, please, Star one to mute your phone while people are sharing. It's a little distracting. Thank you so much. Larry Kay, oh. you're up. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, so it says, you know, we were, we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was, some, was somewhat weak, even cowardly. You know, I, I, I remember um, sponsoring a, a gentleman um, some, a long time ago that um, he, he really put it quite clearly when we, when we were focused on, on this chapter and step two. Um, I mean, he could accept that he was powerless, but in terms of coming to believe, and we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, he said, Larry, he said, you know, I... I just, I just don't want to be a sucker, you know, and that was his way of saying, I, you know, I don't want to be a sucker. I don't want to, you know, come to believe in anything and, you know, and somehow, you know, um, feel as though I'm a sucker. I'm, 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 uh, I'm believing in, you know, there was no worse thought for him than to believe in something that, you know, maybe didn't exist or, you know, and, you know, for me, this, this whole process of coming to believe it's in, in, in within leaning into these steps is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's also part of subtraction. It, it wasn't, you know, subtraction, you know, setting aside my old beliefs, you know, that, that clearly were not working, you know, and when we do that, as we move through these steps, it's not asking us to believe in anything, you know, even in the step two, we came to believe. That's what happened to me. I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I didn't, uh, I was raised in a family where, you know, where theology and religion was not, you know, it was very, very sketchy at best, you know. We were more tied to kind of family traditions and that's, that's any notion of religion. That's what it was for me. Um, the idea of any personal relationship, that was for crazy suckers. You know, they're, they're, they're just a little, they're, they're judgmental, they're hypocritical, and they're, they're just not smart people. You know, and lo and behold, actually what I've come to find is that it's, 
It's some power outside of myself that if it, if it has created a delusion in me, well, the delusion, you know, is that I treat people better, that I haven't found it necessary to pick up my bin substances in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days, that I'm a better father, that I'm more calm and peaceful, not ruled by my fears. Um, I'm more honest. That's the delusion. That's what this power outside of myself has done for me. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Um, there was someone that would, spoke up that would like to speak first now with this group. Who was that? This is Rochelle. I came in a little late, and I didn't mean to interrupt other people. That's okay. Was it Rochelle? Yep. Rochelle. Okay. Who else would like to speak? For three minutes. Nessa R. Nessa. Nessa R. Nessa R. Who else? Rochelle? Janice B. Nessa R. Janice B. Yes. Anyone else? All right. We'll go with those three. Rochelle, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. I'm looking out the window. Oh, my goodness. There's some snow on the ground. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, one of the things I like about the paragraph that was read is who then made all this. It just like gives me such a sense of awe of uh, the grandeur of creation. I just, it's like mind-boggling. And when I go from that to, um, I recently finished reading a biography of someone who had been considered an enemy of the state and had been captured because had they known that who they had captured, they would have killed them right off. But he was one of these lucky people who they had misidentified him. And, and instead they put him in a, uh, in a camp where he should not have survived. But, but uh, he was brutally treated and his family was, was assassinated and um, and including his wife, and, and yet he continued to live. He didn't kill himself, and he was heard to say something like, uh, thank you, God, I know you're doing this for my betterment. And then when he was eventually freed um, from his captors, he went on to help orphans and other people who who had lost their, their, their wives and their husbands and children who were on their own and did amazing things. And when I when I think about that, you know, he didn't blame he didn't blame God for the bad things that happened to him. On the contrary, he understood it on some existential level that this was meant for his his good. And when I think about him helping other people, I say to myself, Oh my goodness, this fellow didn't know a step twelve step program, but that's what he was doing. He was practicing the twelfth step of helping others, even though. You know, he had had, you know, had he wanted to, he certainly could have felt sorry for himself and justified getting back at the people who had hurt him. So with that, he passed. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Rochelle. Nessa R., you're up. Hi. Good morning. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto. So this, uh, this paragraph speaks about um, the perennial argument of those who don't want God in their lives, which is, why do bad things happen to good people? And there's a God who does this. Uh, I mean, first of all, that is evidence that there is no God. And if there is a God who does this, then what one in my life? Um, and it's a way to, uh, in my mind, to avoid accountability. I don't have to answer to anyone. I can do whatever I want. Um, that wasn't my case at all, but I see um, people I had to have been stuck there, and you know it's a mind-boggling problem because you can't do anything about your addiction 
and there's nobody you can run to. Um, you know, you're really in no man's land. But there's an even more insidious um, issue with regards to God. It is, um, there is a God, but why would he care about me? Why would he help me? If there's so many more things that he can um, use his time and attention to, and that was my problem. I thought, why would God want to help tiny little Nessa with her food issues when there's so much calamity in the world? And the truth is that I don't need to understand God. I don't need to understand his ways because if he, if I understood him, um, he wouldn't be big enough. He wouldn't be a big enough God to help me. Um, if he was running the world the way I would run the world, then I'd be God. And look what kind of a mess I got myself into. So I got to trust that he knows what he's doing. But more importantly, I got to trust that he is infinite and putting a limitation on God that, you know, he doesn't have time or attention to help me with my tiny little petty problems uh, when there's so many much graver problems in the world is also pretty silly. You know, I cannot limit God. He's infinite, and he can help me at the same time that he can help others um, in other predicaments. And once I got over this and I understood the infinity of God, I opened myself up to him and to his help and to recover, um, which is um, what's what happened to me. Once I opened my mind to God, um, he was in my life, actively helping me recover and stay recovered. And with that, I pause. And thank you, Nessa. Uh, Janice B., it is your turn. Thank you, Janice. This is Janice B. in Vermont, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Okay, so what I underlined in this paragraph was dependence upon a power greater than ourselves was somewhat weak, and I can relate to that. Um, I um, I was brought up um, going to church every Sunday and um, religious classes, and I had really no experience of God other than to be fearful of God, and he's always watching. And um, and then later in life, I, um, I, uh, I, I became a very self-reliant person. I was, I, and I thought depending on God was, was weak. And um, I, you know, I was responsible for, for everything. Um, that that happened in my life, um, and when I when I um, when I came to that place around six years ago, and I I saw that um, how powerless I was over not just food, but um, but my my life that my life was unmanageable, and I was do doing what I didn't want to do and couldn't do what I did want to do. Then I was ready to um, to say, help, you know, help. I needed a power greater than myself. And, um, 
And I didn't, you know, I didn't know, uh, I, I didn't know how to get, have that power. And, um, you know, through the steps and through the fellowship and through God, um, he put people in my life and um, messages that I, I heard and, um, and, you know, I started to, um, to have this relationship with a higher power and I, you know, like a, a previous speaker, it's been a long, slow process and I don't really know, I don't really know who, you know, you know, the idea of a higher power is like, I can't understand it. I can't understand. All I can do is I have an idea and I um, take Um, action and mm -hmm. trust and fall into, um, fall into his arms when I'm fearful. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you. Okay, before we go on, is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? Sage from New York. Christy M. Who was the first one? Was it Charles? Yes. Oh, good morning to you. Okay, it's Charles. And who else? Sarah W. Sarah W. Anyone else? There was somebody Christy? else. Christy. Christy. What's the first initial of your last name? M, thank you. Chrissy M. Anyone else? Sue G. Sue G. Anyone else? Alice M. And Alice M. All right, let's go with those. And Charles H., you're up. Thank you very much, Janice, M. for your service. Charles H., a recovered composable overreader just for today. And, you know, I said to myself, I was just going to keep quiet for this whole agnostics uh, chapter um, because, you know, I feel some type of way when somebody's snoring, wake up. Um, I feel some type of way when, you know, people dogging HP or dogging God, but next thing you know, when something happens, first thing they do is, oh, God, right? So, but, but that's my that's my stuff. Um, you know, for me, you know, it, it, I want to just drill down where it says, um, we found that as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves. And I just want to um, relate this to something that's going on right now in my life. Like, you know, of course, you know, I'm a religious person, right? Um, I'm, but I'm, I'm a religious compulsive overeater that religiously attends OA meetings, and I just want to get that out there. But I'm starting a meeting in, in my church, and no, it's not going to be called a vision for you because I'm not one of them clonies. But it's going to be an OA meeting um, addressed um, to the big book, and it's going to be mostly the congregation. And I talked to my pastor about, hey, you know, we want to start this meeting. He's like, okay, sure. It's only, you know, he's trying to waive the rent. I'm saying, no, pastor, we, we don't waive rent. You know, so I hit him with the tradition. And then, um, it, you know, I, talk, I had a talk with him. We're not going to be talking about religion in there. So, if, you know, if you're trying to weave that in there, it ain't going to happen. You know, it's a spiritual program, um, and if you, if you, whatever your God is or whatever your higher power is, that's fine, but it's a spiritual approach to, um, to address the issues in, 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 you know, with compulsive reading. That's it. So, we, so even on, on the religious side, I'm going to speak it from this, we, 
I need to lay aside my prejudice I have against people violating, like, you know, saying, oh, God, go go to, you know, disrespecting God, because everybody has a different higher power. So I go back to page 12 in closing and says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Uh, even the word God bristles, but why would it be in a big book over 506 times? And with that, I pass. And thank you, Charles H. Sarah W., it is your turn. Good morning, Janice. This is Sarah W., a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. We know how he feels. Wow. That says it all. I think it's really, the book is so all-inclusive. All the steps have the word we in it. Uh, This particular chapter um, does pull the word we into it. And I don't think there's anybody that that sits um, in a in a religious or spiritual enough place where they always feel this sense of connection. And I think the, the for me, um, the way I look at it is, um, it's all about my ability to be open-minded enough to find my own way. It's my journey. You know, we all have a different one. And when I heard other people speaking about their sadness, you know, as an adopted child, I was in an orphanage until I was nine months old. I always felt like I was set apart, different, uh, alone, um, rejected, abandoned. You know, that word abandoned, I'm not enough. And what for me what God has to be is really that God feels that I'm enough and that I feel connected to the world, to myself and to other people. And that's what the steps in this life, this life that I live has given me. Um, you know, for me, it's not a particular conception. It's many conceptions. You know, it's, it's just, you know, that I am who I am. Be still and know that I am not. I am not. And that something else is. And that I get to be a part of that today. And I guess, um, you know, sometimes I think that we intellectualize it so much you know, what does it look like? What does it have to be? It has to be what it has to be for you. And my sponsor says to me, you know, uh, you know, when, when all else fails, lift up your hands and say, please help me. You know, I'm giving this to you. And today I'm giving everything to, to, to the higher power. You know, and, and so I'm so grateful for that ability that, you know, I can walk alongside, that this is a partnership that I have for the rest of my life when I choose to look at it, but I'm not perfect with it either. I'm so grateful for my humanity, and I'm so grateful to be a part of the we. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah W. Chrissy M., you're up. It's your turn. Um, yes, thank you. It's Chrissy M., Recovered Compulsive Reader and Anorexic from New Jersey. And for me, I have to, as long as it's a workable relationship with the higher power, and that's changed over many years of, of recovery. In other programs, my conception of a higher power has changed over time. But the one thing that's always a constant is that it's a workable relationship. It has to be something that could function, that could take me out of myself and give me the energy, the power that I need to get through the day without relying on outside substances in order to get me through the day. And that could be... You know, it doesn't even have to be a substance. It could be a behavior to get me through the day. You know, my people-pleasing, my control issues, my my worry. Worry was a big one for me. Worry was my higher power. My my brain was my higher power. I thought 
I could worry a problem into solution, and that never worked for me. Those lower, <laughs> lower powers, they never worked for me. But the workable relationship with the higher power started almost the day I walked into a 12-step program and realized that the group was staying abstinent and they were doing it together. So that was a power greater than myself. These individuals couldn't do it alone, but when they were in the group together, they could stay abstinent. To me, that was living proof of a higher power. So um, I continue to evolve in my relationship. If something's stuck and I'm agnostic in a place and my relationship is not working, that's something that I have to look on because I need continual spiritual development. I need to continue to develop. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Chrissy M. Okay, Sue G., you're up. Sue G., press star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Sue G. Um, I was thinking how my sponsor had me circle every we in um, more about alcoholics or more about alcoholism or something. But anyway, we... We, we circled everything that had we in it. And this is a we program. And even in step 11, it talks about if you're not religious, then go to somebody, you know, go, you can go to ministers, rabbis, you can get help. Um, uh, I, I kind of wonder, uh, I know there's got to be a certain amount of help that, that sponsors and other outreach people can give of of what they have done to get through this. Um, the, the, just the moment of sitting underneath the stars, that fleeting fleeting moment, and then soon gone. Gone. Uh, then go back, go back and sit underneath the stars again. Whatever brings you that moment, um, even if it's fleeting, um, or whatever your sponsor suggests that they did to get through. Um, and the suggestions that they can give. Um, we don't have to be without power. Um, well, I'm not putting this very well, but we, the power is there. We just don't see it. We don't recognize it. We don't um, understand it. But it's there. Uh, it's There's always power if we submit to whatever little bit we do know, if we uh, will admit that that hey, you know, um, I'm, it's not going so well the way I'm doing it, and look at those religious ones or those ones that have faith, and they seem to be they seem to be really working their program well, and I want what they have. It's the same thing as the program of attraction. We see someone who's abstinent and who's who's working a strong program, and we say, you know, the I want what they have. Um, if we would uh, uh, look at the spiritual experience and, and getting some power the same way as, as an attra- as attraction and then how did you get it um, and then try the things that they suggest. Um, uh, even now uh, with me, it's, it's helpful to, to ask people because at times my faith falters 
and I, I know it's not God who moved. I did, and uh, I need to get back. And so um, that's just um, just my experience, strength, and hope right now. And um, thank you for letting me share. I pass. And thank you, Suji, for sharing. Alice M., it is your turn. Alice, start one to one mute. Thank you. Um, this is Alice M., a compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. And I love um, starting out, um, the, the moderator said, we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to, mean to us. And, you know, I'm learning with the help of a, a guide in this fellowship, not my sponsor, but a guide, to separate out the directions in, for recovery from the commentary in the big book. Because much of the commentary can make me bristle. Um, and, you know, I'm so glad that I was directed, have been directed to later writings that Bill W. wrote, uh, where he states that he regrets that early evangelistic style, the, the heavy, heavy influence of God in the writings, um, um, and and in the fellowship in the beginning, because he knows he he realized later, it's like 15 years after this book was written, or 20 years after, that it was harmful. You know, and it kept many people out of the program uh, who didn't believe in that traditional concept of God or any God at all. And I uh, I was taught to translate the big book into a way that I could identify. He said, "Here's what I did with this section as a as an atheist, um, and this might be helpful to others." on the line that are of secular, um, that are secular themselves. I wrote, um, we were bothered, or I can say I was bothered with the thought that faith and dependence on a 12-step program of recovery and a fellowship that followed this program was somewhat weak. That was my initial block. Um, that how could this program and its principles by which it was suggested we live have anything to do with me being able to stop binging and puking? I just didn't get it. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't seem powerful enough to go up against this monster of a disease that I had. Yet, and this is in that, where it talks about that starlight, starlit sky. Yet in other moments, I found myself thinking when hearing the stories of other gutter-level bulimics whose lives were self-doomed at one point like mine did, who were now recovered, who were surrendered, they somehow were surrendered to and this is just what I need to do, to weighing and measuring their food, to working the steps, to practicing a set of principles, how then have they been able to do this? I was baffled. Uh, And there was a feeling of awe and wonder about this, but it was fleeting because I wasn't ready. I wasn't done eating, period. But when I was in enough pain... You know, then I became willing, and then I became willing to to be a little more open-minded about what this was all about, and and very relieved when I found out that belief in God, any God, was optional. And I loved John's um, special edition yesterday. If anyone's out there that hasn't listened to it, and you're struggling with this concept of God, you're ag- agnostic or atheist or pagan or whatever, any unconventional form of belief. Um, I think you will find it very helpful. I did. Um, and uh, I'll pass with that. Thank you. Time. Yes, thank you so much, Alice M. Okay, we have uh, just about enough time for one more comment. Who would like to take that? Hello, Janice. Yes, who's that? Hi, this is Raquel. Raquel, you have... yeah, yeah, go ahead. You'll be our last. Hi, I keep it very short, and, and we, I'm so glad that the person before me 
mention John's wonderful talk of yesterday, and I loved it when he said, well, you know, if you can't believe in a God, just believe that you are less than whatever that God that recovered all these people around you. Just to believe that I'm less than him is already good enough to hang on to something. And the power greater than myself in all this debate, you know, it might sound to a very simple thing for me as the survivor of Holocaust that I really shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been here. It's not the disease would have buried me. I should have not been able to be born to that poor mother who was running to the air raid shelters with the two kids uh, and, and me in her stomach. And, you know, one of the stories that impressed me much is, and I'll make it short, this um, man sitting in the woods, he managed to escape from a concentration camp, and this starved dog comes to him while he's sitting on a stone, and the dog puts his head on his knee, like asking for protection and shelter, and the man himself is starved, and he looks at the dog and he says, little dog, I'm so ashamed of you that I'm human. It's man who does all this to the world. God gave us free will. You know, he gave us the world and he gave us free will to do with it whatever we want. It's not God who lets us down with all this chicanery and everything that is described here. It's man who lets man down and lets himself down when we go with those inclinations. And then the tremendous gratitude that I'm here and that I'm part of this wonderful group that we're talking all these beautiful things and realizing deeply, you know, that we are, like it says in the first meditation book that came out in the 40s of AA, that in one of the days he says, we are in a box of time and space. We will never understand until we get there, you know, that how this thing is constructed. It's good enough that I go to, I don't see it so much in, N, in OA here, but I see it in NA and in AA, people who raise from exactly the way that, that the first hundred described, from situations that you know that was impossible to get out, out of. So the God that is inside me that connects with that incredible immense power that, that creates these wonders and miracles of recovery, that's good enough for me. And, uh, and I thank you so much for this wonderful talk and for being part of you. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Raquel. And that brings us to the closing. And I want to thank everyone who shared this morning. But please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Mary K.W., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Mary K. Star one to unmute. Okay. Uh, Duell, are you here? Who would like to step up and read 164? 
You need some help, Janice? Yes. Okay. Rebecca, can I read? Our book is meant... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Lay up. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.